skip over, we skim over, we don't usually look at it too in detail, but it's something that, that we as Christians uh, face in and out of our, of our lifetimes and the things that, that happen to us, we sometimes don't know how to respond to them. Uh, a few years ago, I was going through um, some trouble in my life, and I reached out to a mentor of mine, and I was asking him for advice and trying to figure out what I was supposed to do next in this particular situation. And so he sends me a, a video, and this is going to sound kind of corny, but, but in one of the 35 Rocky films, if you've seen Rocky before, um, there's a quote in there that I just couldn't get out of my head, and I, I felt like it particularly applied to this, this day today and this message. And it, was a, it, it said this, Uh-oh. Need to enter a password. Well, technical difficulties. Um, hold on a second here. I'm not going to say it out loud. All right, technical difficulties. Okay, back to what we were talking about before. This, this quote that I found in, in, uh, in this Rocky movie, he sent me this, this video that he had found on YouTube, and I thought it was kind of funny, but at the same time it applied to my life as, as a Christian. And it said this, it's not about how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. In other words, what he's saying is, is that it's not about you know, what you face or what you deal with or what, what is going through your life. It's about how you respond to it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about how we respond to trials, how we respond to difficulties in life, how we respond to things because if we're being honest, they happen. If we're being honest, we, we face things sometimes that we don't really know how to respond to. We face things sometimes that are difficult. We face things sometimes that, that just bring us down. And, and the motive of, of this message is you can either lay down or you can get back up and fight. You can lay down or you can get back up and fight the battle. And you can keep moving forward. And you can keep doing what you need to do to be faithful to God. And so there's this incredibly famous passage, and most of you know uh, what I'm going to talk about uh, in this section as soon as I tell you, uh, this passage uh, deals with um, G a long sermon that Jesus preaches in the book of Matthew. And if you don't know anything about Matthew, Matthew was an apostle. He was a, a, a Jewish man and a tax collector, probably hated by, by most of his uh, contemporaries. And he, he was so impacted and so inspired by the life of Jesus that he wrote this gospel and the, and, and the, this gospel account of Matthew. Now, Matthew writes from a Jewish perspective, and he writes from the perspective of, well, those who read this are going to understand. And so in Matthew chapter 5, in verses 10, he talks about this very idea. 
He talks about how you determine how you respond to what life throws at you. He talks about this idea that sometimes life throws things at us that we can't handle. Sometimes life throws us hard things and difficult things and we don't really know how to respond. We don't know if we should just lay down or if we should get up and fight. And so Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10 is, is, is an interesting passage because he starts going through this section where he is giving all these, these blessings and these circumstances that these people are living in. He says, you know, he, and, and if you read the first 12 verses of this chapter, you're going to see more just like it. And he starts out with, at the end of this, he starts out with this idea. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed to be persecuted? Well, I, I guess it's all how you look at it. Because he says almost identically the same thing in the next passage. He says, blessed are you who when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil of you because of me. He's talking about the people that are, that are following Jesus. He's talking specifically to the people that, 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 are, that are coming after Him, that are trying to encounter Him and trying to... to Follow Jesus. And he says, blessed are you who when you're insulted, persecuted, and people say all kinds of evil against you because of me, that you're blessed. I mean, who would think that this type of trial or this type of persecution was a blessing? Right? But you have a, you have a choice. You can view things in your life. You can view trials. You can view difficulties. You can view whatever it is as a burden or as a blessing. Because I'll tell you this much. And when you, I'm sure most of you at some point have been through a trial of your, in your life, a testing of your faith, as something that has caused you to grow exponentially or, or, or flounder. Something that has caused you to learn more about yourself because the blessing is learning about yourself. The blessing is learning who you are. The blessing is the testing of your faith. And the burden is... Just something else. But Jesus says another thing. He doesn't stop there. He says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The people who spoke the will of God were persecuted just like people who spoke the will of God. For some reason or another, people have a problem with other people speaking God's will because it goes against what they want to do. But not only to mention the fact... Go back up to the top of this passage. He says, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. He said, Jesus is saying, focus your mind on something else. You've got to look towards something else. Not in your current immediate situation and what's bogging you down and what's taking you down and what's causing you to hurt. But to look beyond that and to focus on where God is. Persecution will do one of two things. It will affirm your choice to place your valuables elsewhere, or it will cause you to conform for the belief that pain and unhappiness will disappear. I mean, that's one of the two things that we do. We say, we say well, well, you know, um, really, I'm so, I'm so blessed to, to be able to suffer this thing because it's testing my faith. It's making me grow. Or the other side of that coin is, well, I'm struggling. And if I, just, if I just stop, if I just walk away, you know what, maybe, just maybe, this pain, this trial, this difficulty will go away from my life. 
I mean, that's often what we as humans think. If this, if this really isn't working out, if I just conform to what whoever is persecuting me wants me to do, then maybe the pain that I'm feeling and the unhappiness that I'm experiencing will disappear. It will go away from my life. And that's what we believe. We believe that. There was a, a movie produced uh, in the late 2000s. It was about a surfer named Bethany Hamilton. And most, some of you know who she is, some of you don't. But she was winning competitions all over the world. And, and, and in 2003, she was, she was the star. She was the up-and-comer, up and, and she was going to be great. And she was good at what she did. Well, one day she was out surfing with her friends, and they were in some private little cove and catching some waves, and she got her arm bit off by a shark. Could you imagine? Something you love, and now you feel you no longer have the ability to do it. Now you feel like something has been taken away from you, and, and therefore you can't do it anymore. But here's the thing. When you have a passion for something, that passion will create resilience. And that's what we're after. We're after resilience. We're after that passion. We should have a passion for the Lord and as, as, and as many as the things that we have a passion for in our regular life. And when you have a passion for God, it keep, causes you to be resilient. So in the times of trial, in the times when you face difficulty, in the times when, when you're struggling deeply, it'll cause you to rethink. But you can have a passion for anything. You can have a passion for sports. You can have a passion for music. You can have a passion for art. You can have a passion for science. I don't know any scientists in here, but the point is, you can have a passion for anything. Your passion may be baseball. Your passion may be playing music somewhere. That may be your passion. And when it is your passion, there is nothing that can stop you from doing what you love. Even when hard times come. Because passion is what moves us to persevere at something despite unhappiness or pain. Passion is what motivates us to keep moving forward. It's what pushes us into beyond. I love Jesus and I'm not going to give up on Him. I'm not going to give up. Because I love Him. Because I have a passion for His Word. And I want everyone to have a passion for Him. And I want everyone to show Jesus in their life. And I want to share Jesus with people who don't know Jesus because people don't know how great it is to be a follower of Jesus. And when you have a passion and a love for something, you just you can't shut up about it. And then there's this word resilience. Now, resilience is like a muscle. The more you work it, the stronger it gets, and the faster you're able to bounce back. In fact, the definition of resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from disruptions. Sometimes there's disruption, there, there's trials, and sometimes it takes us a while to unwind. But as we, as we keep pushing through the down, as we keep pushing through the difficult, it creates this muscle called resilience. And, and it causes us to bounce back quicker than we did the time before. To say, you know what? To look at trials as a blessing rather than a burden. Because you determine how you respond to what life throws at you. You determine how you respond to what life throws at you. You can lay down and lose the fight, or you can get hit, get up, and keep moving forward. And keep looking for what's beyond. 
This morning we're going to talk about, specifically, we're going to look at James chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4, because I think that this is, a, this is an incredible passage that, that deals with, with something that I often don't think we, we, we consider. And it's a passage that often brings us into questioning whether or questioning what we're doing. Because see, James, James was the brother of, of Jesus, and James writes this book based on this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preaches in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And he lines up these statements and he talks about these things that we see and he puts them into ways that we can understand. And he writes the book, I mean, early. It's probably the earliest book that we have of all the books that we have. And he writes it to Jewish brethren, to, to people who are, who are in the church, that are meeting in the synagogues, that are meeting in homes, that are struggling with these, with these difficulties. And he covers some of these topics. Now, in the first chapter, he's talking about response. In chapters 1, 2 through, 2 through about 12, he talks about how we respond to trials. And then in chapter 1, verses 13 through 18, he talks about how we respond to temptations. That it's not God who tempts us. That it's not God who puts the temptation in front of us because God cannot be tempted. But he says that man is the one responsible for his temptations. And then he talks about our response to the Word. He talks about our response to the Word. Are we just going to hear it? Or are we actually going to hear it and are we going to do something with it? And so James spends an, an immense amount of time telling these Jewish Christians that they not only need to just hear the Word like, like they did before, but they need to respond to it. They need to do something about it. And just like we respond to, world, to, to, to the Word, just like we, we, we listen to what God has to say, we have to respond to trials too. And sometimes we don't always respond in a godly way. We don't always respond with the way that Jesus would respond when he was being persecuted. Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 through 14. When he's standing before Pilate, and Pilate is almost ridiculing him. He's asking him a question. He says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, it is as you say. And he said nothing. He was quiet. He was silent. And in his trial, he sets an example for us as Christians as to how do we respond to things? How do we respond to mistreatment? How do we respond to ridicule and insult? And how we're to respond to rejection in the world? So James starts with this. Lining up with Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various Trials. Some of your transmissions say that you might, you might encounter trials of various kinds, but, but pay attention to this, this first part here where he says consider because it's literally the word that means to lead your mind somewhere. And you know how difficult that is to do when you're facing a trial, when you're facing a difficulty, when you're down and you just want to give up? You know how hard that is to think of being joyful? To look at Whatever life's throwing at you as a blessing instead of a burden, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. But that's the difference between the world and God's people. That's the difference between Christians and non-Christians because being a Christian doesn't change what you deal with. It changes how you deal with it. It changes how you deal, how you respond to trials. Do you lay down? Do you respond with a wrench? What do you do when trials are here? A trial could be anything. It could be financial trial. It could be a family trial. Could be a job trial, could be 
anything could be just your luck is down and out and it seems like it's just testing your faith and you, and you almost just want to give up and maybe start over and quit and, and, and stop for just a moment and say, I'm done. But you're the one who gets to choose how you respond to that trial. You're the one who gets to choose whether you get up and keep moving forward or you lay down and lose the fight. That's on you. It's not on me. It's not on God. It's not on anybody. It's on you. And you're the one who chooses to respond to that. You can think of it as joy. You can lead your mind to joy. You can say, this is a blessing. I'm learning something about myself. As I'm dealing with this trial, I'm learning how to handle other trials and I'm building resilience in my character so that when the next trial comes, I'm ready for it. And I know that there's going to be trials in life and you know that there's going to be trials in life. You know you're going to face some things that are incredibly difficult and hard to understand and, and, and hard to, to wrap your mind around. But if you look beyond that, you say, whatever this is, I'm going to deal with it as it comes. But I'm going to continue to keep my trust in God. Because He delivers. He delivers. I mean, you look at the countless examples, the countless stories within the Bible that people who trusted in God were always delivered. People who put their faith in God and trusted God to work in ways in which they could not work always were delivered. And that's the faith that is preached among the first century Christians that that if we put our trust in God, He's going to deliver you. And that if you trust God, you'll do what He says. And that if you see as God sees, you'll do as God says. But you have to start somewhere. And in the midst of a trial, you've got to consider it somewhat of a blessing. How can I use this to help myself grow instead of, why is this beating me down? Why is this taking me, ripping me and pulling me apart and I feel like I just want to quit? But James doesn't stop here. He says that you know that this is the testing of your faith and that the testing of your faith produces endurance. I mean, this, this word knowing is, is, the, is the Greek word which means to experience something. It means to experience that you've already in some point in your life experienced this trial or this difficulty and you know what it, what it does. You know that if you endure it, that if you, that if you walk through it, that if you embrace it with joy rather than with sadness or melancholy, that it can change your outlook on the way you see that difficulty. That this Trial is a testing of your trust in God. That it is something that you have to learn about yourself because, I mean, let's face it, sometimes we get comfortable and we get complacent and we get okay with where we are. And, and we have no problems and it might be for a length or a period of time and everything's going great and all of a sudden something hits and you go, why is this happening? Why is this difficulty coming upon me like we didn't know it was going to come? And we treat it like it's a burden instead of a blessing. A blessing to not be burdened and a blessing to be burdened because we learn from things that are burdensome. You learn more about yourself. You learn more about yourself in a trial than you do just being okay. Just getting by, just being good, just everything's good, my faith is good, you know, and sometimes when your faith is good and your church is good and all these other things, then you just you just kind of stop growing. You say, I- I'm okay, and then you get to this point, and you're like, it-, it almost feels like 
you're just hungry for what's next, and you don't feel it. And then all of a sudden, this thing happens. And you don't know what to do with yourself. You don't know how to deal with it. James says, this is a test of your trust in God. And that that, that test produces this endurance. It produces resilience. It produces something in you that you didn't know could be in you. It creates a passion for your God because He always delivers. And you choose how you respond to that trial. It's all upon you. It's all, I mean, James spends immense amounts of time talking about the brethren and putting them on the spot rather than putting the blame on someone else. That you're responsible for your responses. That you're responsible for what you do. That you're responsible for what you say. That you're responsible for how you encounter different trials in your life. But there's a perfect result to this. That this endurance, this resilience, this, this thing that we face has a perfect result. Making us perfect and complete so that we're lacking in nothing. So that we're lacking in nothing. So we didn't see it that way before, did we? We didn't see a burden or a trial before, did we? In the way that James states it, that, that if we look at it from the standpoint that this is God testing me. This is God testing my faith. This is God trying to produce something in me. Create or build a character within myself that allows me to be a better Christian. To be a better person. To, to trust in Him more. I mean, in reality, I mean, you think about it. When you go through a trial, when you go through a difficulty, I mean, brethren, you learn how to pray. And you pray hard like you never have before, and you put that trust, every single ounce of it, into God. And you let Him work the way He works. And you learn how to deal. But it produces a result. It makes you who you are. It makes you perfect and complete so that you're lacking nothing. James is going to go on to talk about this idea that that if, that if we're, we feel like we're lacking, we should pray to God. And if when we pray to God, we can't doubt that God is going to do what He says He's going to do because God has always done what He said He's going to do. God is a keeper of promises. He's worthy of, of your trust, of my trust, of the world's trust. But somehow people think it's, that it's just some made-up thing. That it's not worth fighting for. That it's not worth being resilient. That it's not worth, worth grasping and taking in and trying to be a better follower of Jesus. In reality, you have to lead your mind to see positive in the negative. I mean, you've been in situations before. You've been in times of your life where, man, you think this is going to be the greatest thing ever and you get into it and then all of a sudden there's all this negativity. And it just brings everything down. And it causes you to miss what's positive in that situation. It causes you to look at the negative and say, well, this is burdening me. This is troublesome. This is hard. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and it's so easy to get sucked into it. It's so easy to get sucked into negativity instead of looking at, well, what's, ha what's happening that's good? Because in the midst of negative things, there is still good things happening with people around you. The world has not been, been shot down just yet. There are still good people in this world doing good things. And even though you may be facing a trial or a difficulty or a hard time, you have to lead your mind through that particular issue. 
to see positive in a negative situation. And that is incredibly hard to do. At the end of this chapter, James helps them refocus. And if you're reading this verse right now, you know what it says. Blessed is the man who preserves under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Those who have a passion for him. Those who know that that the end result is far better than the current situation. Those who know that, that, man, if if I just get through this, Whatever it is. I mean, first century Christians, they were having their heads chopped off and they were being burned on the stake for not denouncing the name of Jesus. Do you, any of you face that today? So they had to have a goal in mind. Oh, I mean, statistically, we have a lot longer lives than people in the first century. Statistically, we live longer and we do more things. But we don't face as many trials for our faith. But James says that, that the man who preserves under trial that the man who, when he's persecuted or ridiculed or insulted, if, if he continues to move forward, he'll be approved. And he'll receive that crown of life which was promised. Which God promised. And if God is worthy of our trust, I mean, who are we to, who are we to say that he's not trustworthy? Because you determine how you respond to what life throws at you. You determine. You choose how to respond to that. You choose how to deal with that difficulty or that issue or that that, that hard thing. It's it's all upon you. You know, sometimes we I feel like, you know, if we just looked at, at this a little further out, sometimes we would be able to see more of the positive than we do in the negative. We would be able to see what God's end goal is. We'll be able to see what God did what Jesus did upon the cross and understand that it's for a farther vision than just right here and now. That God is is not going to change your circumstances when you choose to follow Him. But that He will make your life better. In the sense that you'll make better choices. In the sense that you'll you'll learn how to respond to difficult things. You'll learn how to respond to, to, to hard situations. There's a passage in in Matthew chapter 11. I'll read it to you in just a minute. But I I do want to say this, because this passage encapsulates this idea that I've been thinking about the whole time. That that when when we come to a part where we just feel worn down, beaten, broken, battered, all sorts of things, that in the end, if we come to Jesus, look at what He says. He says, come to Me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, the Jewish people at this particular time were being weighed down and laden with laws and rules and regulations that were never placed upon them from God to begin with. In fact, the laws that, that the Jews pulled and put into this book, many of them were laws for Levitical priests and people serving in the temple and different tribes of different people. And the, and the Pharisees took these books out with all good intentions. And started binding them upon the people. And Jesus says, look, I am not burdensome. If you feel like you're weary, if you feel like you you can't do it anymore, like you just want to give up, come to Me. And I'll give you rest. But look what He he says. Take My yoke 
upon you. What he means there is a yoke is a tool for plowing. And it evenly, and it helps distribute the pull or the weight of the ox that's moving the plow through the field. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Man, what a blessing. What a Savior to follow. What a God to serve. That if we preserve under trial and we just continually come to Him, we have that relationship and we allow Him to move through us and work through us. For the glory of God, if we allow ourselves to trust in Him in trials, He's going to give rest to those who are just completely exhausted with life. For my yoke is easy. and My burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. What a God we serve, brethren. What a God we serve. Because He could put all these rules and regulations and all these things upon us and just make our lives absolutely miserable. But the fact is that Jesus came and He died on the cross for your sins. And He put all that behind Him. And He said, now if you come to Me, you'll be washed in the blood of the Lamb. But those who are weary and heavy laden, if they come to Jesus, if they follow Him, will be burdenless. Because they'll not only see their burdens, but they'll see their burdens as blessings. And that's the message this morning, brethren. That you choose how you respond to God. You choose how you deal with what life throws at you. And, and it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It matters how you deal with it. I mean, we serve an amazing God and we know that at the end of this life, if we're, if we're trusting, if we're faithful, that God is going to deliver us from this broken world. I mean, it is. It's just broken. Beaten and battered and there's evil things and evil people and evil stuff going on. And you know what I said earlier? It's easy to focus on the negative. But there's still good happening in the world. There's still positive things. You know, yesterday we... We took a group of teens to the store and we just blessed random people. We just gave them money for groceries and we just helped them. And you know what? Next time, I encourage all of you to come and experience that. Because it was amazing to see the reactions on these people's face and, what, and what, what they were getting without even knowing they were getting it. And it was a blessing to them. Good things still happen in a dark world. We just have to see like God sees. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you haven't started following Jesus or you you haven't decided that you were going to commit your life to him and, and that's okay and if maybe you don't feel like like this is the time or the place where you need to immerse yourself into Christ and that that's fine but but I always encourage everybody just to read upon the principles of Jesus's life and just to to try to follow his example because if you're following something it's leading you away from something else maybe you've been maybe you're here and you've been a Christian for a long time and you've made some bad choices and some bad decisions, and, and you've been a bad example to others around you, and you feel guilt and you feel shame, and, and you're weighted down. But guess what? You don't have to be. You don't have to be weighted down. You've got a family here that will lovingly accept you into their arms. You've got a family here who is more than happy to sit down and pray with you, to love on you, 
to help you, to encourage you, to share with you their struggles and their difficulties and their sins because that's what James says is a healthy practice. That we confess ourselves, that we confess our sins to one another. If, if a public response is necessary in the morning, we, we encourage you to do that. An elder will be up here to, to meet you and greet you. I'll be up here to, to receive you if you feel like a public response is necessary. If not, and you feel uncomfortable and, it, and, it, and, it, and, and maybe a little bit embarrassed and you don't want to come forward, that's fine. Just tell somebody. Come to me. Come to one of the elders. Come to one of the leaders and just let us pray with you. Let us help you. Let us, let us encourage you in whatever way you need to be. If you're not a Christian and you know what you need to do to become one, there's water right here for you to immerse yourself into Christ. If you would, come forward as we stand and as we sing.